Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thursday wrap-up edition of Lockdown Guardians. I want to apologize for being a day late. Uh, sometimes you just pass out. Two kids under five and a day job. I am Jeff Ellis, the host of Lockdown Guardians, have been for nearly 700 episodes. Today's show, we're going to discuss top managers in the Central. We're going to rank them. This is probably the one I feel the least comfortable uh, doing. We're going to do our college wrap-up. Normally, like I talked about it's a Wednesday wrap-up. Thursday wrap-up, we have a new home run king. We have a pair of teammates in hot competition for strikeouts. We have one of the weirdest box scores you will ever see. And we have my number one player in this draft performing under the radar, maybe, but still performing amazingly well. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I do have my co-host here today of late. Uh, Was not bothering me until I started recording. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, you're missing out on a cat. Uh, My 14-year-old diabetic cat has now decided every single time I record... Since I've started doing the video one, he needs to get up here, so apparently he wants his screen time. I am Jeff Ellis. For those who do not know, I was the lead draft and prospect analyst for Scout in 24-7, featured on uh, Drive Time all over the country, and uh, many, many, many Cleveland sports blogs. If there is a Cleveland sports blog of note, I appeared on it or was referenced at one point in time. Uh, now, I am, you know, all of locked on, as I say. I mean, I'm even wearing the, the gear, wearing the polo, as one can see. I get thrown up by the backwards camera. So I am locked up and ready to go. Let's talk top managers in... Oh, before I talk top managers, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. I appreciate the Lockdown Guardians team. We I gave the call to write um, iTunes reviews because we were so close to 100. And it's still showing us at 99. Uh, I want to thank John Meats, uh, Dr. Toboggan, and Ryan Cleveland One, who all, in like the last week, um, uh, gave me five star rankings. So thank you. I always like to to say that, in spite of three new rank or three new rankings, three new reviews, we're still uh, we're still 99. I don't know what's going on. iTunes is ridiculous. Managers in the Central. Okay, let's see if I got this right. You got Mike Mahini, Mahini, Matheny. With Kansas City, you got Terry Francona in Cleveland. Uh, Rocco Badelli is the Twins manager. Uh, Tony La Russa with the White Sox. AJ Hinch with Detroit. Uh, not exactly a murderer's row. <laughs> Let's be honest there. Uh, this is not a strong, strong group. I think I would probably say Rocco Badelli is the top manager. Because, I, I mean, for me... I want someone who can uh, think outside the box, can be adaptive, and isn't stuck in baseball from 10 to 15 years ago. Now, you might say, hold on a second, Jeff. The ownership of Major League Baseball is stuck in baseball from 15 years ago. And you're right. I can't argue with that point. But I want someone who's not afraid to do different things. And that's, you know, Badelli has shown that, I think, over time. Uh, the only reason he is two and A.J. Hinch isn't one, who... You know, not only did Hinch try some outside-the-box thinking, uh, he also got some great years out of a lot of players. I mean, the Tigers had some guys step up a year ago when you look at, you know, former Indian Eric Haas, when you look at Akil Badu and adding him. 
uh, Gemmar Candelario took a huge step forward. They had a lot of good production, and he handled a very young staff extremely well. Uh, you know, we we always talk about the addition of Javi Baez. Sometimes we forget they added Eduardo Rodriguez. That's after Casey Myers took a step. That's after Tarek Skubal looked good. You got Matt Manning, Tyler Alexander. The Tigers are a team. Like I said, a lot of people are big on the Royals. Tigers are my team for the future in the Central. And the only reason Hinch isn't one is because, you know, the baggage. What's gone on there in the background. Uh, if you wanted to say he's the best manager in the division, I can understand that. I'm always going to have a hard time rewarding someone who carries the baggage he does from his previous stop in Houston. So you have Hinch and Badelli to me, are clearly the top two uh, when it comes to managers, in my point of view, because they, are, uh, they know how to handle young players. They have both uh, been more than willing to play young players, promote them, to do some new thoughts and ideas. They have handled um, pitching staffs well. And all in all, they've, you know, it, the Twins were disappointing. The Tigers, I mean, the Tigers almost ended up with the same record as the Indians a year ago. Uh, so, you know, those are clearly the top two. Next grouping. So Terry Francona comes third in the division. Now, I, I am not the biggest Tito guy. I was fully like, let's just retire and move on because Tito has an over-reliance on vets. Uh, he has been extremely hesitant to play the young players. And a lot of his approach to baseball and coaching is, frankly, you know, uh, from a long time ago. He does not seem to necessarily relate well to all players. I mean, remember, it was he, he's a central reason of why Yandi was shipped out. Like, he never got an opportunity in Cleveland. And it's not that Yandi's become a great, Yandi's become a great player, but he's become someone who would definitely be starting for the Cleveland Indians if he was still there. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of points where he has stuck with lesser talent because it's his guys. And But at the end of the day, uh, he's not a jerk. Players do seem to respond to him. Uh, he can... I, and the crazy thing, too, is I'm, I'm sitting there saying he, he's kind of stuck in outdated thinking at points. This is a man whose greatest success with the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians was when he went outside the box. That postseason run when the entire starting pitching staff was like beat up everyone was hurt they had no business making it to the world series and he went to the pen and he did non-traditional approaches and he almost used like andrew miller like a you know what he did there was revolutionary he can have those moments when he put carlos santana like leading off like that was actually advanced thought but then he's kind of gone the other way with not really putting his best hitter in the number two spot and taking this idea of a three and a four hitter uh, there's the good and the bad. Overall, he's still an above average manager. I saw a terrible yard barker piece where it had him one. Uh, La Russa was like sixth. It was just, oof. Uh, and again, it's not to say Francona's bad. I don't think he's one of the 10 best managers in baseball. If I'm third in this division, I think that goes without saying. He's a solid mid-rotation manager. He is a good manager. A lot of it right now is more reputation than uh, what he's actually doing to help the team. If that makes sense, you know, I, I think I think he could be a, a if he was in another situation, he'd probably be a better manager uh, because of that reliance on vets. But when you're the Cleveland Guardians and you're not uh, paying anyone, and you have this ridiculously deep farm system uh, that isn't necessarily the star types, like he has had no problems uh, integrating those star type of players in, but it's more of a depth minor league system. That is, he's not the ideal person for that. That's not where you want to go. And it's it's kind of they're kind of a bad match right now, but again, he's a mid 
manager. You know, it's like Badelli. I mean, Hinch. Badelli and Hinch are probably back end of the top ten. Terry's around fifteenth if I'm ranking like all the managers, and the next two are much lower. Now this is truly a fight to the bottom. Uh, Mike Matheny, who is about as old school as you can get, and like he was not good when he was with uh, St. Louis. Like that was, uh, it was kind of shocking when he went and got another job. Remember, he's one of those people. Uh, oh man, sportspectrum.com. Uh, Casey Royals off to a strong start under God fearing manager. That is, I typed because I couldn't remember for a second Casey Royals manager because uh, he just didn't leave any imprint last year. And that's like your fifth return. <laughs> uh, Mike Matheny says, yeah, is, this, is, this is all rough. Uh, he was bad with the Cardinals. There was really no reason for him to get a second gig uh, so quickly after that, and yet he did. Um, people love catchers. He had no managerial experience. Uh, he didn't do anything particularly special. A lot of the young players, their minors took big steps forward. Who in the majors took a step forward for the Royals last year outside of like Michael Taylor's defense? Like who? Who is the the case where you can see? him helping elevate his squad or him doing anything to like, um, you know, better equip his players. Like where, how is he looking towards the future? I I don't see any signs of it. He's, so yeah. So in his time with the Cardinals, I wanted to just pull up his record. Uh, You know, he, he took over a very strong team. They made the postseason his first four years, did not make it the next three, and uh, he got canned, and now he's been in KC for two years, and he's, you know, a year ago, if you listen to this podcast, when I was doing crossovers with Ryland over with Lockdown Royals, and I mean, you talk, it was Herb and Chris with Lockdown White Sox at the time, and Nash, who's still with the Twins, uh, and Chris, who was with the type, man, we've had some big turnover in the Central, huh? Uh, but... All of them were predicting the Royals to maybe be the third base team, third place team with the Guardians fourth. That didn't happen. I mean, the Royals were, again, bad, and they haven't really shown that signs of growth. And that's after spending a decent amount of money a year ago. Don't forget that. So Matheny is probably the worst. Let's let's just lay that out there. Be front street and honest. Tony Larusa, talk about someone who the game has passed, um, has problems relating to his players, openly calling out some of his players, making really outdated approaches to the game, uh, just lineup construction, uh, all sorts of issues. I mean, remember when Yerman Mercedes had that great start for them, uh, and then he struggled and he retired rather than deal with what was going on between the bigs. Uh, they were able to convince him to unretire, but it's, he was handed the keys to a Ferrari, which, you know, with his own record, low blow time, but I mean, that's, you don't want to give him that. Uh, he's, you know, there's, there's off the field issues. There's, um, you know, it's again, if you're, if someone is ranking him in the top three in this division for managers, it is too much based on history and not enough based on now. And like all sports, like, can you imagine employing someone who has not done any advancement in their thoughts since the 90s because that that's what's happening i mean go back to those oakland days he's following the same rule book uh but he's still better than Matheny because he can he's gotten some results at some point uh but yeah it's it's clearly 
I mean, those two are bottom five managers in baseball for me right now. So that's that's my hot take. Uh, come at me. I know there's going to be some people bothered by that. There's no way around it. Uh, I mean, people love Terry, and I'm just not as high. <laughs> Saying mid-tier is still going to have people annoyed with me, and I'm sure anyone who is a Tony La Russa fan is just going to be appalled. But, uh, you know, I also think with baseball's problems that going out and hiring someone who's been arrested multiple times for drunk driving is just not a good look. Um, who is doing it after one of his players was killed uh, doing the same thing is not a good look, and that does color some of my thoughts here. But, you know, there's also just the issues with him that came out last year when there was talk about relating to players of color. Like, that's this, this is a game where you need to do that. Um, you know, there was strife and discord on that team. And you have a supremely talented team. And essentially the owners went ahead of the front office and hired someone uh, based on name recognition. And if you want to make a case for him being five, much like if you want to make a case for Hinch being one, I'm not going to fight it. Like I can, to me, there's a clear one, two, there's a clear three, there's a clear four, five. Uh, let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff MLB draft. We're going to take our first commercial break, come back and you want to hear about the craziest box score I've maybe ever seen for a pitcher, right? Our first sponsor today is, are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible, written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete, Tim Tebow encourages you to find inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. So, there's the so, so you know we're back. Um... We'll get into the crazy box score. That's a promise. Let's, when we're talking stats, you know I love to talk about stats. We have a new home run king. We'll get into that. Just in the strikeout race, we have to talk about this. So strikeouts are a great indicator of future success. It just, because plain and simply, if you can't miss the bats when you're on the college level, my co-host is around here somewhere trying to get back on mic, uh, you're not going to miss him in the pros. Like It's not really a trait. You know, I always bring up Jeff Hoffman because he is the classic example. It's the guy who is way in front of so it's fun right now for me from the perspective of, like, Thatcher Hurd, who's a, a true freshman, is second in the nation. Uh, you go through and you see Bryce Hubart and Patrick Messick, who have both talked about the Florida State pitchers, are separated by one strikeout. One is tied for third. One is tied for fifth. Uh, with, you know, I'm still waiting to see what happens. Sorry, co-host. He wants to be back. Uh he is back on screen for those. Remember to subscribe over on uh, YouTube if you are, I guess, a cat fan. <laughs> That's, you know, the the big benefit. You get to actually uh, see me sit here and hold a cat while I am doing my hot takes. But, uh, yeah, so it's uh, that's until we find someone else, this is the co-host. But with the situation of, like, Connor Prelip, who probably would have been my top college pitcher, but he needed Tommy John last year. And Peyton Pallet from Arkansas, who was my top college pitcher, but needed Tommy John. And, oh, why am I blanking on the kid from Connecticut, Reggie Crawford, who, you know, was one of the most fascinating players in this draft and needed surgery. Uh, Landon Sims, the converted reliever with really good stuff, who we talked about, like, episode one of the wrap-up, who had a really good opening. We uh, had to leave with arm discomfort. I don't think we have an official diagnosis yes, yet, but it's coming. I mean, this college class has just been brutalized, so you have to kind of go through and look and find. You know, last year's class was the greatest college pitcher group I had ever seen. 
And that's not hyperbole. That is not, I know you're out there being like, oh, people say that every year about classes. They either say it's the best or the worst. It was the best for college pitching. It was pretty awful for college hitters. This is the reverse, essentially. But to go from that class to this class is, I mean, it is, you know, it's the one 180, right? Because it'd be the complete opposite. Uh, I was almost an engineer. I finished the math and physics of it. Uh, then decided to get a history major. Completely uh, tangential. But uh, to go from those extremes in this class, I mean, we're, by now, you're kind of hoping someone would have stepped up, especially because, you know, the college group is facing the the weaker teams right now in their schedule. Like, if we go down to 23rd, that at least that's interesting. We got uh, Justin Campbell from Oklahoma State, who I talked about. Uh, Blake Adams from Kansas State is an interesting performer. I haven't talked about him yet. Cooper uh, Gerpe from Oregon State I talked about. And Landon Sims, who we just discussed. They're at 23, also tied in that grouping. That's at least a fun group. Uh no one has really stepped forward, but hey, those Florida State arms are at least interesting. That's something to follow. Though the person currently leading the nation in strikeouts is a sophomore from San Diego, Bryson Matz. Uh, he is a lefty, three appearances, 18 innings, 36 strikeouts. So he has the craziest box score I have maybe ever seen for a pitcher. Now, his numbers on the year, to just go ahead, he has an ERA of 5.5. Like, you don't see that a lot. And you're like, oh, maybe he's got he's got all those strikeouts. Maybe it's controlled. He's only got four walks. That's not a bad walk rate. He has given up six home runs. Six home runs in 18 innings. Uh, just 20 hits. <laughs> How are you that hittable, but also that unhittable? How do you miss that many bats, but also just have everyone make ridiculously hard contact? I, I So let's get into this box score. Uh, and this isn't to like make fun of the kid. This is just, it's, I don't know. I've never seen anything of its like, cause typically, you know, if a guy throws really hard, you can't touch him. Or if he's missing a ton of bats, you just have no hope. Um, you know, maybe he runs to control problems. You get lucky. You don't see a guy go six and one third innings, strike out 15. So do the math. He had 19 outs recorded 15 of them by a strikeout. He threw 104 pitches, only one walk. No wild pitches, no hit batters, none of those other signs of control. One walk, 15 strikeouts. Normally you see that, and you're like, that dude had a start. He gave up eight runs on nine hits. <laughs> I'll repeat, eight runs on nine hits. I just, uh, and was it one, two, three, four, five, six home runs total that day off of him. Wait, was that all six in that one game? One, two, three, four, five, yeah. So all six home runs in this one game, I like want to go back and watch it. I am so he's given up six total home runs all in one game against if you're Dallas Baptist, a good program, not necessarily a great program. Like looking at it, there's not a bunch of names that are jumping out for me, but I, I I'll repeat six and a third innings, nine hits, eight earned runs. Nine of those hits were six of those nine hits were home runs. Walked one, struck out 15. <laughs> he faced 30 batters, struck out 15 of them. 19 outs, 50. I've never seen it. It just, uh, maybe you're out there and you're not as amused by it as me, but it's just a unicorn of a box score because it, it's just not what you see. You don't see high strikeouts and high home runs typically. I know the Indians have some pitchers who are high home, home run prone, like Bieber who can miss bats. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, the Guardians don't care about home run rate. We know that, right? But they do like a guy who uh, 
uh, can miss some bats, and he is currently leading the nation in strikeouts. So when you get down to it, it's like maybe we should consider Bryson Mott's Matt to be a um, – I want to see – because here's the problem. When everyone's kind of draft information is a little bit off right now because of that COVID year. So, yes, he would be draft eligible because he was draft eligible in 2019. Okay, so here's some more things. Six foot three, 185 out of high school, left-handed pitcher uh, who's missing bats and doesn't walk anyone. Oh, yeah, and uh, on his draft year, he was 17 years old and 10 months. So he's also going to be – he's young. So he's young for his class. He misses bats. He doesn't walk anyone. Just Bryson Matt, Matt assuming M-A-U-T-Z. Andy, tell me how I'm supposed to say it. Uh, there's could be a sleeper for the Cleveland Guardians. They don't care about uh, if you give up a lot of home runs. They care about missing bats. They care about control. They care about smarts. He's a behavioral neuroscience major, so there's that. Uh, Lefty who can miss bats. Leads the nation in strikeouts. Miss bats. Name is Mats, maybe. Mouts. Um, Interesting. Like I said, it's, uh, it's just something I've never seen before, but it is worth mentioning specifically on this very here at Lockdown Guardians podcast because he does fit the Guardians draft profile in about a half a dozen ways. Like if I'm making a checklist, he's got virtually everything. So keep it in mind, he's not a day oneer, he's not a day twoer. Or no, I'm saying he's not a day oneer, could be a day twoer, maybe more of a day threeer. But uh yeah. Just come back, circle that name. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. We're gonna take Our next break, we're going to come back and discuss the new home run king and the top player in this draft class. So I got my new Bilt Bar order, and eggnog is not a one of those where it is uh, overpowering, I can say. The Crave is still good. It's peanutty, and why do I keep forgetting all? Um, Man, brain, white chocolate shamrock shop now is the special flavor, and that makes me want to go buy I was trying to think about what my third flavor was, and then I saw white chocolate shamrock. And, I mean, I've always liked the shamrock shake. Who doesn't? You can go to Built Bar right now and get the white chocolate shamrock. That is their current specialty flavor. While supplies last, they'll sell out quick. Remember, peanut butter sold out in, like, four hours. Cookie dough always goes quickly. But, yeah, right now, shamrock, ruby chocolate, lemon dip cheesecake, caramel almond delights on sale. I liked it. I bought a box of that. I buy it. I... Like I said, I buy it with my own money. This is a product I enjoy. It is a product that I am buying all the time. I'm putting in an order. Once I run out, I get more, uh, and I get more. And the reason is it is a product I buy, love, and believe. Sorry, the shamrock is really interesting to look at. It totally distract. It's green on the inside. Who doesn't like something that's, like, supposed to be green? Uh, it's the shamrock shake. I mean, essentially, they even say that in there. We drenched these bars in a creamy white chocolate and finished them with a dusting of grasshopper cookie pieces. So if you're curious, you're like, oh, man, that sounds like it's got to be 2 grams of fat, 1.5 saturated, 21 grams of carbohydrates, 5 fiber. We always overlook the fiber. Only 6 grams of sugar. Go check out Bilt Bar for yourself today. Uh, It's the best tasting bar. Gets an A on my health food app. It's just delicious. Remember the promo code's LOCK15, and that is at BiltBar.com. They love us. I love them. Thank you, Bilt Bar. You've made my life better. Our other sponsor is Rock Auto. I last time went, I have not bought my windshield wiper. I need to do that. Spent the whole winter with one windshield wiper that doesn't have any of the wipe left on it. I know. 
not the best thing. And the reason I want to, I've been waiting is because I keep meaning to buy them from Rock Auto because I want to save money. And it's the best way. That's how you're going to save yourself the most money is do it yourself. And when it comes to something like a windshield wiper, when it comes to something like an air filter, comes to something, you know, those two things in particular, that's the easy thing. We can all do that. And, you know, they're going to charge you money to for the work of putting those things on when you go places. No, cut out the hassle. Cut out that extra cost. Save yourself some money. Go to rockauto.com. And, you know, you can see what, what are people buying. It's a whole list. There's a lot there. It might feel intimidating, but... I don't know cars, so I look, I see the favorites, I buy what I need, and then if it's, I go and I look and see if there's a rebate, save even more money. Make sure in the How'd You Hear About Us box, you say Locked On. That lets them know that their advertising money was well spent. That is rockauto.com, and make sure to type Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us box. So let's get into it. Let's get into top player in the country, or should we go with the home run king first? Uh, we're going to go with the home run king, because my number one overall player... Apparently, I decided to close out that tab for no good reason because I do that sometimes. I'm, you know, are you like me or that person who hates having a million tabs open? I feel like the minute I think I'm done with the tab, I just auto close it. So Liberty, mostly probably if you read about him, was the athletic piece about uh, you know their their jersey reveal. Uh, Liberty, by the way, is currently 11 and one. They and if you're like, well, it's Liberty. What have they? Well, they took two out of three from Florida opening weekend. The, they lost. Their first game of the year against Hunter Barco in Florida and have not lost since. They're on an 11-game winning streak. They've had uh, North Carolina A&T, Winthrop, Radford, and Canassis since then. And 15th-ranked North Carolina this past week. They won that game 1-0. Uh, that was on. That was yesterday. When you're listening, it'll have been Tuesday. Uh, well, I mean, it's still yesterday. It was, you know what I mean. But my point is they face two ranked teams, and they're 11-1, and one, and they've won three out of four matchups against ranked teams. This is a program that is for real right now. They are performing super well. Uh, you know, they don't have – I was curious to see. It's like, you know, Duke is a name. Virginia is a name, but those aren't exactly high-end. Virginia Tech they'll face another series against Duke. They'll have another shot at North Carolina, UNC. And then, I mean, they they keep playing – this is a team that's going to, they have the schedule. They've already done the hard part. Wake will be an interesting matchup. Wake's always solid. But, I mean, postseason, let's call it now. Liberty is going to be in the College World Series. Let's mark that down. There's my bold take of the show. 11-1, and one, having already gone through the hard part of the schedule. And Derek Orendorf, O-R-N-D-O-R-F-F. Andy, need your help again. Orendorf is a big part of the reason. Uh, Tommy White has not hit a, didn't hit any home runs last week. Derek Orendorf has now taken over the home run lead with 10 home runs. He has zero doubles and zero triples. I don't know if I've ever seen that. He has 16 hits and 10 home runs. Again, weird box score time uh, when it comes to him. He has a 432 average, a 1.243 slugging, and a 625 on base percentage. He has been hit by eight pitches. Now, and it has 11 walks. <laughs> the the hit pitch thing is a direct correlation, maybe more than anything else in terms of statistical, because um, guys are always going to be close, and guys who get hit a lot in college continue. It's like Brandon Geyer, right? Like he was the guy who always got hit. Uh, so Orndorf, Orndorf has a skill that translates. Like that's he's going to be a guy who gets plunked everywhere. The the junior plays, I believe, is a corner outfielder for them. Let me just double check that. And center fielder. See, 
he's a center fielder for them. And he started out the season against Florida. He's batting bottom of the lineup, 7th, 8th, 9th. I checked. He's now up to 3rd uh, and 4th. I want to say he's hitting 3rd in their lineup. And, I mean, when you have – he has 10 home runs. The rest of the team has 9. Uh, he's got – let's see. Again, it's, it's just so odd to have no other extra base hits. Uh, but, yeah, he's he has been a machine in the early going. And one of the things – the other thing you like in the early going, like 11 walks – is a good amount of walks. He's walking at a, a pretty solid pace there, but he's only got nine strikeouts. So he is walking more than he strikes out. He's leading the nation in home runs. He is playing center field. He has faced quality competition. Now, he didn't do the best against Florida, uh, but he did well enough. And I assume he has some relatives because there's a, you know, David Orndorff, uh, two of them. One played in low A. And one is listed as a college pitcher. And there's also a Jesse and a Robbie. Let's see if they all came from the same area. This is what happens when you're just sitting here on the show. Um, so this is Derek Orndorff. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I should have done uh, more a better job. He was a, a Penn State kid for his first two years. Big, Big Ten player. And wait, this is Derek. Yes, because Derek is the one who's playing well. David was also a Pennsylvania kid, so good chance of a relation with that name, I would think, who uh, played a year in 4A in 1998, drafted in 21st round by the Twins. Uh, the other, David Orndoff, uh, went to the University of Cincinnati and uh, was pitching there in 2019, 2015 to 2019. And <laughs> Jesse Orndoff was played with the Boston Raves in 1907. Um so, and Robbie Orndoff is must he went to the same area as Derek, both from Connorsville. So that's got to be a relation to this. And, and he was drafted in the 16th round, 1987, by the Expos. New data, interesting. Hey, we got the same birthday. Fan of Robbie Orndoff right there. But it, I know flights of fancy. This stuff happens when I'm doing the podcast. I'm already gone over. I'm sure. But it's you know he's got a baseball family. You can just sit there and see the data. Uh, he is a kid who had two years at Penn State and uh, was basically a backup. Didn't hit any home runs. Only had, uh, let's see, 51 plate appearances. Goes to Seton Hill University for two years in Division Two. 2020 doesn't get to play because of the COVID situation. Gets to play all of 48 plate appearances. Gets 139 plate appearances. Hits 15 home runs a year ago. So shows some of that pop. Um, and now he's, uh, he's going on to, to Liberty this year and he'll be, uh, an interesting senior sign candidate because he's a center fielder. He's hitting the ball hard and he's performing. And I mean, what more do you need than that? Right. Isn't that essentially what you're looking for when you're trying to find, uh, an interesting player to sign to maybe save you some money? Paused it there. Cause I wanted to go pull up his perfect game profile, <laughs> Uh, so, second-ranked utility and fielder in the state of Pennsylvania out of high school. He is go- going to turn 23 next month. So, he was draft-eligible back in 2017 as a high school kid. Uh, he is, you know, a 5 to 10 grand sign at this point in time. He was an up-the-middle player, second baseman in high school. Uh, he has had, you know, he's taken the full run of things with his five years of college. Uh, 
with the the situation with COVID and everything else. So again, he is a senior sign only type really. Uh, but I have always said go for production. And remember, senior sign Joey Wendell was a senior sign. If you are smart and you are scouting and you are doing a good job, you can find talent. Julian Merriweather was a senior sign. So don't dismiss the talent. Guys can hustle. Guys can improve. Keep an eye on Derek Orndorff, the current NCAA home run king. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. And as we end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.